Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how are you doing on this Friday? I am doing great, Carson. It is the middle of July, which means it is officially preseason list season. How do you feel about <laughs> preseason list season? Oh, I don't hate it because it means the college football season's getting closer and closer. I think once we get to about mid-July, it's on. I mean, we're, we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the actual sport of football, not just kind of the periphery topics. We get into whose rosters are best, whose schedule sets up well, all those good things. And I just, college football's my favorite sport. So I, while the lists don't mean a whole lot, it's, it's good fodder to get us kind of through the, uh, the dog days of summer. Yeah, it is. It is. And we've got the, uh, the the media poll ranking the teams. We've got first team all Big 12 with a notable exception. And we've got a list of coaches that I'm still trying to figure out exactly what the criteria was. So maybe we can figure that out before we're done today. Yeah, I've got a bone to pick with that list. But uh, before <laughs> we get all to all those topics you mentioned, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com all day, every day. They offer free standard shipping on orders over 50 bucks. To take advantage of that, they're located at 244 South Knobloch in Stillwater. You know where Chris's is. Stop by there if you're in town, and we'll be making our way to Stillwater pretty soon for, for football season, which I, I cannot wait for. So without further ado, you mentioned the preseason poll. Obviously, Oklahoma comes in as the favorite. They get 35 of the possible 39 first-place votes. Uh, Iowa State, who returns literally just about everyone on their roster from a year ago, in which they had a great season, they're number two. Texas, who everyone just loves, just falls in love with this time of year, comes in at three. And then you got Oklahoma State at four. So that's kind of the top four. And then from there, it, we can go down the list further. But your, just your initial reaction, Colby, on, on the top four. Uh, my initial reaction is that four people have to uh, have to give some sort of explanation. If you want to rank Iowa State first, and if any of these four people are listening, I would love to know your logic behind picking Iowa State to win the conference when OU again has the number one overall pick in the draft at quarterback. The defense is going to be miles better than it's been in years past. The offensive line is going to be back uh, and, and as good as ever. I just, I, yeah, Iowa State's going to be good, but man, that's, uh, I, I could not have gone there and I'd be really curious to know what the logic was for the four people. I mean, are you just tired of seeing Oklahoma finish first and you want something else to happen? So you, you voted Iowa State. I really was surprised that Oklahoma did not sweep the first place rankings. And then my only other observation, Carson, this would be my one switch on the list because I really just worry about the top five, six through 10 is like, who cares? Um, top five, I would bump Texas down to five and I would move OSU and TCU up a spot. So I would have OU Iowa State, and then I'd go OSU, TCU, and then Texas rounding out my top five. Yeah, this certainly feels to me like a year where, you know, TCU is just a roller coaster. They're probably the most psycho of any Power Five school in terms of some years they'll win eight, nine, 10 games. Next year they'll be below 500, win like three or four games. Like they have wild swings in their win totals, more than just about any Power Five program I can think of. So I think this is kind of a year where they, they're kind of on the upswing, certainly with Max Duggan back at quarterback. They have some really good defensive players per usual under Gary Patterson. So I agree with that. I would definitely bump Texas down to five. So many unknowns with them, with the new coaching staff, new quarterback, no real, you know, all Big 12 caliber skill talent that we're aware of other than B. John Robinson, the running back. 
just a lot of questions for me with Texas. And I think they, they need to start proving it. I mean, I'm not putting them at three until they prove it to me. They're in the top three, which they have not done in, in quite some time. So I, I totally agree with you there. As far, as far as Iowa state, let me, let me play devil's advocate here. And I'll just preface this by saying, if you're voting for anyone other than Oklahoma, you're doing it wrong. You're just, you just are, it's just, it's, that's fact. But if you're sitting there in Ames, Iowa, covering the Iowa state cyclones, I can kind of put that cap on and think, well, Iowa State beat them in the regular season, played a really close game in the Big 12 championship game. They're one and one. And Oklahoma has some losses to the NFL, whereas Iowa State retained everyone. So I think if if you're really wearing your, your Iowa State boxer shorts, I think that's kind of the argument for giving them a first place folks. That's where I think those four came from. They had to come from Iowa. Yeah, I guess that's one thing I should always factor in is the fact that this is being voted on by human beings, not by computers. And if you're in Ames, Iowa, you can probably make a really strong case as to why Iowa State's going to be the best team in the Big 12 this year. I'm just not all the way there. Here's my big question on TCU, Carson. This is a big question that I have this offseason. Is it Duggan or Dugan? Because I've been confused for years about whether it's Max Dugan or Max Duggan. I think it's Duggan. You think it's Duggan? Okay. Well, see, we've already got one of the biggest questions of the offseason cleared up. I don't know, though. I'm not, I don't say that with 100% certainty. I feel and like I've heard it both ways for years. I think the announcer just kind of goes with their personal preference and it, it varies from game to game. Nice. I like that. I uh, like maybe that. if I could get my hands on the TCU media guide at Media Days, I can look up the pronunciation guide. Hopefully they put that in there. But okay. Or will every- he be there? Maybe you could just ask him. Yeah, he'll be yeah. there. You can ask him. I could just ask him. You're right. I actually, will not, I actually will not be going this year to Big 12 Media Days. Uh, oh. First time I've been there in a while, but we're just we're not able to make the trip. Uh, a lot of Channel 5 um, priorities there back here at home, so I'm not going to be able to make it. So I won't be able to ask him. So maybe I'll ask him in post game whenever OSU plays him. Maybe that'll be my, my opportunity well, to, to sort that out. Hopefully somebody will ask him. And I, I just, I completely agree about Texas. So many unknowns. They're at three because of the logo on the side of their helmet. We don't know what Texas is. I mean, is Texas, do we really think Texas is a better program than Oklahoma State right now? The answer should be no. That's what the answer should be. Do we know if Steve Sarkeesian is going to be a good head coach at Texas? The answer is no. Maybe he will be, but guess what? They thought, they thought Charlie Strong was going to be great. They thought Tom Herman was going to be great. And now they think Steve Sarkeesian is going to be great. There are still a bunch, a bunch, bunch, bunch of very rich boosters who want to have their thumb on every little thing that happens at Texas to the point that they're having weekly meetings with the athletic director and the football coach. That just, it can't work. That can't work. And it can't be sustainable to be successful over time. I don't know how they think that they can keep doing the same thing in Austin and get a different result. And the fact that we're putting them at three, just to put them at three, it's like, we, we do this every three, three years, every three years, Texas fires their coach. They get a new guy in. Oh, this guy's the savior. Maybe he is, but until I see it, no, I'm way out on Texas at three. They've won nine games once in the past eight seasons nine games so they had eight or less the other years it's just uh, since 2013 since mac brown's last year they've gone six and seven five and seven five and seven seven and six ten and four under tom herman eight and five seven and three so uh, yeah just to me i gotta see it i I just i gotta see it with texas the old moniker texas is back that's been beaten like a it's been kicked like a dead horse but I just, I got to see it. So I, I just, I don't understand why people constantly every single year put them up as high as they do. They, they never seem to learn, you know, it'd be one thing if, 
you know, maybe, maybe last year I could have gotten a little behind it. It's Ellinger's last hurrah, you know, Tom Herman's last hurrah. If it's going to happen, it's going to be last year. So I'm certainly not going to go out on a limb with a, a new coaching staff and, and seemingly no real all big 12 caliber talent. And they're certainly not putting guys in the NFL with regularity either. They're just, they're not vintage Texas. So I would, I would definitely knock them down a peg or two. Uh, what about the rest of the poll? Anything else catch your eye? Yeah, I mean, like I said, six through ten is it's six through ten. I I could probably flip flop K State and West Virginia, uh, just because I think that K State's so weird in how they play, and I think Skylar Thompson's good enough to uh, to beat maybe a team or two throughout the season that he shouldn't. Other than that, uh, I mean, Baylor obviously being at eight is a little jarring. They've had success in the conference, but you know they've lost a lot and. Uh, I think that that's probably an appropriate place. Kansas is obviously number 10. So six through 10 is just, it kind of is what it is. It's six through 10. I kind of like West Virginia. I, if I had to pick really? kind of a, a sleeper team this year, a team that could surprise some people and sneak into that top five, maybe even top four, maybe would be West Virginia. I really like Neil Brown. I liked him when they hired him. I think he's done a really good job thus far to kind of stabilize that situation that Dana Holgerson kind of let get away from him. And I just, I like what I see there. I like, I like some of the pieces they have. And that's kind of a team that I'm bullish on. I think Kansas state, they're, I think they're just going to be what they are with when they had Skylar Thompson at quarterback, they were a different team. They were actually really competitive, beat Oklahoma with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. And then once he was out, they were just, they just fell completely fell apart. So I still like the coaching staff there, Chris Kleiman. So I think the bottom, the bottom half of the league is right. Uh, I like the order that it's in. I just I, I kind of like West Virginia and Kansas State as some kind of some plucky plucky dark horses, if you will. Let me ask you this: If I tell you right now that Oklahoma State loses a game to one of the teams that's six through ten, which one is it? Well, let me pull up the schedule. Yeah, I guess I don't know what's home and road right in front of me. Just yeah. off the top of my head, I would say Kansas State because that's the team Oklahoma State has historically had the most trouble beating of those teams that are six through ten. So that would be my, my first thought. But uh, once you have it pulled up, let me know what's home. And oh, around. well, they're at, they're at West Virginia, which you think, man, it's a tough road trip going all the way to Morgantown. But Oklahoma yeah. State's had success there recently. Always and get win. this, Colby, Kansas State is the Big 12 opener. Oh, I don't like that. At home. You and I, you and I have talked ad nauseum about Mike Gundy's losing record in Big 12 openers. It's, it's a thing. So if I had to pick today on July 9th, I would have to pick Kansas State with Skylar Thompson coming to town. I just would. I think I would too. Skylar Thompson has been a Thor no issue side too. He's had some good some good performances against Oklahoma State. Uh, Byron Pringle's still open, I think. God, Bry Byron Pringle's still returning kicks for touchdowns. I don't get me started on 2017 Byron Pringle. Somebody kick the ball out of bounds. Do something <laughs> other than kicking it to Byron Pringle, please, so that you don't lose that game to Kansas State. Um, yeah, I think right now it, it's Big 12 season opener. And Morgantown, every every time that I see Morgantown on the schedule, I'm just like, win. It's a win for Oklahoma State. And I don't know why that is. It doesn't make any sense. Morgantown should be a tougher place to play. Um, but they just always go to Morgantown and win. So that's not really a big concern for me. I think the last time they lost there was when J.W. Walsh was the quarterback. Mike Yersich's first season when they were just running off tackle. Like a, what was that, like 14? 2014? I think so. 2014, 20. I think it was 20. Yeah, it had to be 2014 because 2013 is the year they should have won the Big 12. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Been a day or two. Yeah, been a while. So, 
we're looking forward to that. Obviously, Big 12 Media Day, as we mentioned, uh, the All-Big 12 team came out right before the, uh, the the team poll did. Only two Cowboys make the first team All-Big 12. Josh Sills, very worthy of that, really played well last year. He's been able to move around, move positions. But him coming back really bolsters his offensive line. I think he's going to be going to be really good for OSU. And then they had Colby Harvell-Peel at safety. You know, he's been all Big 12 first team in the past. He, him coming back was a surprise and I think just only enhances the fact that OSU is is led by their defense. I think two, two really good uh, candidates make the, the all Big 12 first team. Yeah, that's uh, one short, Carson. We're one short of being where we need to be. I, I, I mean, I know that there are a lot of good defensive backs in this league. Trey Sterling's first team All-Big 12. He just is. You look at the numbers from a year ago and what he led the conference in. I mean, he had more tackles than these other guys that are on the list. He forced more turnovers than these other guys on the list. I mean, what more do you need your, your defensive back to do besides make tackles and force turnovers? I, I can't make sense of Trey Sterling not being on this list. It's my only beef. Rest of the list, I think, is pretty good, pretty spot on. But Trey Sterling, to me, I thought was a glaring omission. Now, you ask me, whose spot does he take? Uh, the five defensive backs, Jalen Petre from Baylor, Greg Eisworth from Iowa State, Colby Harvey Peel, like we mentioned, Travis Hodges Tomlinson from TCU, and Deshaun Jameson from Texas. Uh, I think that he could probably take the place of either Tomlinson or Jameson, and I would be okay with that. I think he'd be more, more deserving than either of those guys. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, what Sterling's been able to put together Big 12-wise, I really like Tomlinson from, from TCU. I think he's going to get drafted. I would definitely take it from Jamison from Texas. I mean, you just look at his yeah his numbers. He's made no real impact in, in, in three seasons. It's not like he's had a really good freshman year and they're projecting him. He's had three years, and uh, the most – he had 31 tackles last year, 35 the year before – had no interceptions a year ago. He had three his sophomore year and none his freshman year. So he's got three picks and 66 total tackles in three years. That does not scream first team All-Big 12 to me. Whereas Trey Sterling and, and Colby Harvell Peel, I would argue, is probably the best safety combination, not only in the league, but I think one of the best in the entire country. So I don't, I don't know why Sterling didn't get that recognition. That was a, that was a glaring omission. I, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, it's just, and, you know, he was kind of on Twitter talking about it, too. And he's just like, oh, okay, that's we're doing this again. We're doing this again. Another <laughs> list that uh, Trey Sterling won't be on. But, you know, preseason list isn't the important thing. If he plays anything like what he should be this year, then he better well be on that postseason list. I mean, he almost had, he had more tackles last year than Jamison's had in his career. Oh, he, yeah, he, that's big yikes in the same amount of years and he had three more he has the same amount of interceptions and that's only playing one game his freshman year he's basically you know played two full Carson. seasons you know what it is we had to have somebody from the texas secondary on the list we could not have somebody from the texas secondary on the list god forbid yep. the horns don't have somebody back there first team all big 12 gotta have a longhorn on the team i gotta guess have one so i think it's also I, I think there might be a little bit in play that uh people still can't convince themselves that Oklahoma state's defense is actually really good now. So when people are voting, they're like, Oh, we can't have both Oklahoma state safeties on there because surely Oklahoma state doesn't have two of the best defensive backs in the entire conference. Uh, no, they really do straight Trey Sterling and Colby Harvell Peel are absolutely two of the five best defensive backs in the, in the conference. Yeah. I bet when the, I bet if the coaches vote, I can't, I think there's a coaches team that's going to come out too. I think the coaches would recognize that better than the media perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Because you're right. I mean, I thought though we I thought we kind of got over this because I believe last year's 
preseason team had two Texas Tech defensive players. And we were all kind of looking around like, what? Texas Tech? But like, even in that scenario, we know how bad Tech's been. OSU has been pretty good on defense now for a couple of years under Jim Knowles. That's, it's really nothing new. So, but you might be right about that. The old perception versus reality with Oklahoma State. Uh, media days next week in Arlington at Jerry World. Uh, Spencer Sanders and Malcolm Rodriguez, two long-tenured Cowboys, going to represent Oklahoma State, as well as Mike Gundy. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure how the format's going to work. Is it going to be – I don't know if it's just going to be on a Zoom with everyone there or they're, they, they're scheduled to have some breakout sessions. I just don't know with coming out of COVID how the whole situation's going to work. But I think Oklahoma State usually gets gets a lot of attention because, you know, Mike Gundy's – interesting you can't always say that about some of the big 12 coaches he always has interesting things to say Spencer Sanders one of the few quarterbacks making the trip Spencer Rattler's not going to be there Brock Purdy's not going to be there so he's definitely the top quarterback in attendance so I think OSU is going to get a lot of love and uh, I think the closer the season gets Colby I think I think more and more people are going to give Oklahoma State a shot to finish in that that top two or three yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, how many quarterbacks do we have going total? Three, I believe. Uh, Max Duggan will be there, Spencer Sanders, and then Skylar Thompson from Kansas State, which is it's kind of disappointing to me that we don't have more quarterbacks there. Those are kind of the guys that everybody wants to hear from. It's disappointing to me that Brock Purdy's not there, that uh, Spencer Rattler isn't there. Those are two guys that I, I would have really liked to have seen down there. Now, Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, I, I don't care if you send your quarterback, but I would have liked to have seen Rattler and Purdy. That's disappointing that the teams picked one and two in the preseason poll aren't sending their quarterbacks down there. I'm just wondering who is going to be looking down their noses at all the peasants now that Tom Herman's not there. I mean, Tom Herman, I mean, he would walk in and he'd be like, oh, peasants, peasants everywhere. That was, uh, I don't know, I'm sure you were there a year that Tom Herman was. I know I was there in 2018, I believe, with Tom Herman. And it was, uh, it was good stuff watching him walk around like he owned the place just because he's the uh, head coach at Texas, even though he had accomplished exactly, and I counted, exactly zero as head coach of the Texas Longhorns. I remember that moment where he was asked by uh, Kirk Bowles from the Austin American Statesman how many, how many like all-conference players he had on his team or all-American types, and he paused for what felt like 30 seconds and just said, some. <laughs> so it was... Uh, Tom Herman was like just a meme waiting to happen. So you're right about that. And I'm with you on the quarterbacks. Like I remember my, the first one I went to walking around was Colt McCoy, Sam Bradford, Chase Daniel, Graham Harrell, Zach Robinson, Todd Reesing. The best quarterbacks in the league were all there. And it was a big deal. And it was big. It was good for the league. It was good for the conference. And it really showed, Hey, there's NFL caliber quarterbacks littered throughout this this conference and now to me it just shows you how little the teams care about this they just kind of want to get it done and get out of there they don't want to make any headlines and that's probably why Rattler and Purdy aren't there they, they don't want them saying anything that can make a headline so they bring their fullback and linebacker does Oklahoma which Jeremiah Hall is one of their team leaders I'm not diminishing that but we're all there to see the quarterback the guy who's a Heisman front runner so I'm, I'm really pleasantly surprised that OSU brought Spencer Sanders I love that and uh, I just I long for the days where, you know, everyone brought their their stud quarterbacks and embraced what the season was. It's it's a big deal, and we want to hear from the people people the fans want to hear from too. So yeah, disappointing. I, really glad Oklahoma State's taking Sanders, um, and I'll be curious to see what some of his answers because I would imagine that he'll get a few questions throughout the week about hey, 
look, man, you make a lot of big plays. Very talented. What's up with the mistakes? I mean, obviously, the question won't be worded like that, but somebody's going to ask something to the effect of, what's up with all the mistakes? And I'm just curious to hear what his answer is because, uh, I mean, he's human. People make mistakes. But uh, I'd, I'd love to hear what he thinks about some of the, the big errors that he's made over his couple of seasons as a starter and what he's doing to try to make sure that those become fewer and further between. Yeah, he's very, very polished. So I expect him to answer those questions very well. He's, he's always owned it too. That's what I've always liked about Spencer. He never tries to blame anyone else. He never tries to yeah. make excuses. He, he owns the fact he's made mistakes and that's, that's part of the maturing process at quarterback. And now he's played over 20 games in his career. I, I fully expect him to, to really limit those mistakes this year because Let's face it, Colby, this season's going the way Spencer Sanders goes. I mean, if he if he plays up to his potential, well then they can they can absolutely make it to Jerry World for the Big 12 championship game. If he if he becomes the quarterback that was the Gatorade player of the year in the state of Texas, and I think he can, well then the ceiling of this team gets raised dramatically when you combine that with the defense that they're going to have coming back. So I to me, Oklahoma State, I think of all those teams in the top 4, I think their ceiling can raise the highest. Like we all know where Oklahoma's ceiling is, right? We all know where Iowa State's is. We've, we've seen their ceiling. We haven't seen OSU's yet with Spencer Sanders. And to me, that's what's most exciting about 2021. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And one thing that we need to remember, Oklahoma State last year for the first time in a while had both an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach. It wasn't a two for one deal like they did. But what else did Oklahoma State have last year? Same thing everybody else had. COVID problems, didn't get much camp, didn't get a lot of practice. Tim Rattay did not have a lot of hands-on work with Spencer Sanders. I'm really curious in year two with Tim Rattay if we do see a leap from Spencer because we know the talent is there, but there's been so many instances of him uh, just making the wrong decision at the wrong time and it really killing Oklahoma State. Maybe a second year with a dedicated quarterbacks coach who's not also the OC. Maybe that works wonders for Sanders. So uh, I agree that Oklahoma State's ceiling is fairly unknown and it will come and go as Spencer Sanders comes and goes. Yep. Can't wait to hear from the guys in Arlington, Spencer, Mike Gundy and company. Always a fun time. Always means the football season is near. Uh, there's a top 20 coaching list that came out and it caught my attention because it's pro football focus, who I have a lot of respect for. I think they do a good job with their analytics and, and ranking of players' performances throughout the weeks during college football season. Well, this is kind of a, an interesting list in that the author, I can't, by Seth Galena, says these are head coaching rankings are shout out to the underdog and the unwanted, a chance to recognize those who might not be in the national spotlight but deserve their moment for clawing their programs up from depths and steering it toward a new compelling future. Very interesting way to phrase a coaching list, but as no surprise, Nick Saban won, Dabo Swinney two. I think that's how you have to rank it based on everything that's happened. You got Kirby Smart three, Lincoln Riley four. No surprises here. Dan Mullen five, a little high for me. But then I just, I keep scrolling Colby and I get through all the top 20 and Mike Gundy's not on here. Now, if you're sitting here saying he's in the national spotlight and is not an underdog, I would... I would disagree with that. He's still at Oklahoma State. He has Oklahoma, you know, a few miles south of him. Uh, I think he's overcome a lot at Oklahoma State. And I believe he only has a couple, he's only a couple wins shy of Dabo Swinney on the, on the current active winning as coaches in college football. So once again, the reason I bring this list up, Colby, it's just amazing to me 
the lack of respect Mike Gundy gets nationally. I mean, it, it's unbelievable to me with the level of success he's had at a place like Oklahoma State. I believe since 2008, they're, they're top 12 in the country in wins. I mean, that's, that's remarkable at a place like OSU. Yeah, it is. And I, I really, I looked at this list without reading the full description first. And I was really, really confused as to what we were doing <laughs> with this list. And then I came back up and the, the last sentence before the ranking starts says, flying above or below program expectations was the most important point when putting this list together. That's how we get uh, Lance Leopold on here, who's now the head coach at Kansas, who was at Buffalo. That's how we get Jamie Chadwell on here, the coach at Coastal Carolina. I, I still don't know. I don't know. It, it's not a list that I'm in love with. I mean, Tom Allen at Indiana, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Indiana had a pretty good season, but it's definitely a weird, quirky list. Billy Napier at uh, Louisiana, P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. It's Mike Gundy not being on this list. He, he should be on this list. Mike Gundy has exceeded expectations for a while. Um, I'll, I'll say Oklahoma State, you know, they had the Rudolph years with the 10 wins, but they've spent a couple of years trying to figure out the post-Rudolph era. So you can make an argument, I guess, if you wanted to rank them today, that maybe you wouldn't have him in your top 20. But I don't know. It's just a weird list. And, uh, you know, if, if the idea was just to put some guys' names on a coaching list that you wouldn't normally see on a list, I mean, congratulations. We, we did that. We've got guys' names on a coaching list that wouldn't normally be on the list. Uh, so shout out for that, I guess. I don't know. Weird list. Head coach at Kansas at nine uh, kind of caught me off guard. Mike Gundy's won double-digit wins five of the last 10 years. Let's see here. He's won nine games. One, two. He's not on here, Carson. Seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. So out of the past 12 years, he's won nine or more games, all but one, two, three seasons since 2008. I mean, that's, to me, that's incredible. An incredible level of consistency. I, I mentioned TCU, the wild swings that Gary Patterson's had where they have losing seasons. We mentioned on the last show, OSU has the longest streak of, of non-losing seasons of any team not named Oklahoma in the conference. Just the level of consistency with combined the fact that it's Oklahoma State and all the disadvantages they have being in state with Oklahoma and everything else that the challenges they face, you know, athletic department wise, financially, everything else. I just the reason I brought this up is just it's to reiterate the fact that Mike Gundy is one of the best coaches in the country. He's one of the best active coaches in the country, and he's going to go down as one of the best to ever do it. And I, again, you can you can knock him for not winning the Big 12, and that's fine. But the, the example I will always use is, is Bill Snyder. How many how many conference championships did he win? He won two in 2003 and 2012. In 03, he won the, the, the championship game against Oklahoma where Darren Sproles went nuts. He beat Oklahoma on their home field, and for some reason, the Big 12 gave a split conference title to Oklahoma that year. But he won he won two conference championships, and he's a Hall of Fame coach. That's kind of the similar – I'm not saying Mike Gunny is as good as Bill Snyder. I'm just saying that their, their resumes, to me, are going to end up pretty similar. Yeah, and conference championships, to me, that's not a fair measuring stick in the Big 12 because – it's so hard to compete on a level playing field with Oklahoma. They just have so many built-in advantages with the history, the tradition, the uh, the recruiting that they have down there. It's just it's going to be really tough to compete with Oklahoma since 2000, whenever Oklahoma's dominant run really started. No other team in the conference has more than two conference titles. So it's not like other teams in the conference are running out conference championships every two or three years, and Oklahoma State just can't get it done. 
Nobody can get it done. It's because OU runs the league, and that's just the way it is. It's the world that we live in. Um, but, yeah, knocking Mike Gundy and using conference championships to do it, I think, is pretty weak. Uh, Mike Gundy has not been a perfect coach in his career. We, we rip him every year after Bedlam because every year in Bedlam, the strategy's bad. I'm sure we'll do it again this year. But 11 weeks a year, we we don't have too many complaints here and there. I mean, we nitpick, everybody nitpicks, but for the most part, uh, Mike Gundy's done a really good job in Stillwater. I, I think that, and you can tell me if you agree with this or not, Carson, I think Mike Gundy is one of those coaches that we're going to appreciate a lot more 30 years from now than we appreciate now. Totally agree. I think, especially if the next hire doesn't work out after him, you know, we're going to, we're going to be sitting here like, man, remember Mike Gundy won 10 games, five out of 10 years. Like that was like, that was like the dream scenario. Now that they're, they're, we're winning seven, eight games a year pretty consistently. I mean, the grass is not always greener. And I do think history will appreciate him more. I think he's going to have a statue out front next to Boone Pickens, rightfully so, uh, along with Barry Sanders. And uh, maybe, I, no, I think, uh, I think, I think that's right. I think we'll appreciate him much, much more after he's, uh, he's left town. So. By the way, just obligatory, Barry should have a statue. Just, yeah. We should just throw that out there. Barry should have a statue. I don't know. I mean, just about I mean, once a month probably, we should just throw that out there and remind everybody. I mean, the greatest season that the sport's ever seen by far, the greatest running back the sport's ever seen by far, in my opinion. Uh, long overdue. And I think that's in the works. So just they haven't quite – I think COVID may have set that back a little bit. But that'll, that'll happen. It'll happen for sure. Yeah, uh, speak better than ever, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of coaching, Doug Gottlieb will coach the Oklahoma State alumni team this summer in the basketball tournament. He announced that on Thursday. Uh, we, Gottlieb almost, he tried to get the Oklahoma State men's basketball coaching job, got interviewed for it, did not get it. They settled on Mike Boynton, who's done a fantastic job. But Gottlieb has coached a little bit, Colby. He's coached some of the, uh, the youth team, uh, I think the youth Israel teams, I think is what he's coached in the past. And now he's going to get to coach some former uh, OSU guys. That'll be fun seeing Gottlieb Roman the sidelines for all the people that wanted him to get the, uh, the OSU job. Yeah. I like this tournament that they've put together big money on the line. You get big names of former players because a lot of these former players can really ball, but they're not quite good enough to be, to be professionals. And there's kind of that middle ground where it's like, well, what do you do with the guys who are still really good and who still want to play? but they can't really play at the highest level, go play in the basketball tournament. And uh, Gottlieb coaching them, I think, will be a lot of fun. So um, I'll definitely – when is that played? Do you have the dates? I don't have the dates. I think it's usually played uh, late July, early August, something July, like that. July 16th through the 20th is when they're going to play in the Wichita Regional. So actually a short drive for Oklahomans up there to Wichita to watch this team play. Yeah, it is. So uh, hopefully some of these games will air and we can take a look at some former Cowboys and see what Gottlieb looks like on the bench. Yeah, that'll be fun. Something to get us through the dog days for football season. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here too, Colby. Uh, Kate Cunningham, still the presumptuous number one pick in the in the uh, NBA draft. There is some, some interesting trade talk being bantered around. Again, this came from a writer from The Athletic. Just He was just coming up with things that the Thunder could possibly offer to get the number one pick. And he threw Shea Gilgis Alexander and the sixth overall pick to Detroit for the number one overall pick. And a lot of people kind of lost their minds and he had to kind of reiterate, look, I'm just offering what I think could get the number one pick. I'm not saying I would trade Shea Gilgis Alexander, but I thought about it. And I, I again, I don't think they're going to trade SGA by any means, but I do, I do wonder just 
is this organization, the Thunder, are they on the same timeline as Shea Gilgis Alexander? Shea Gilgis Alexander is about to be an all-star. He, he dang near made it this year. He's kind of made the leap. I still think the Thunder, it, it would serve them better to be in the lottery, the high lottery the next couple of years. And you frankly can't do that with Kate with uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander on your team. So while I don't think they're going to trade him, I do wonder if they're on the same timelines here in terms of what where they're going with where Shea's going individually combined with where the Thunder are with all the picks they have. Yeah, I mean, to me, the dream is to have the backcourt of Cade, Shea, and Dort. I mean, that's the dream. You've got a bunch of length defensively. You've got two guys in Cade and Shea that can both handle the ball. Cade off the pick and roll with Shea spotting up on the wing and Dort spotting up in the corner would be ridiculous. I don't think people who uh, didn't really, like, really watch and analyze Oklahoma State and Cade understand how good he is in the pick and roll. And that's how good he was in the pick and roll in college. And in college, there's no spacing. Oklahoma State didn't have a bunch of sharpshooters around the wing. So other teams would just take all five of their defenders and create them down into the lane as far as they could and force K to make stuff happen and he still made things happen he is so so good in the pick and roll so that's the dream is to have those three guys so I mean look it takes two to tango if, if Detroit keeps saying no then Detroit keeps saying no but I'd much rather uh keep Shea and offer like Poku Baisley 6 16 18 one of your first one of Houston's first and one of LA's first and see what they say. Throw three seconds in there. I don't care about seconds. Oh, the only thing seconds are good for is to, to trade up. Um, so just throw a bunch of assets at them and really try to keep Shea and Dort because that perimeter of Cade, Shea, and Dort, uh, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be top three in year one, but catch me in year three, four, and five that those three guys are together and ask me if this is a team that's a, a top four seed getting home court advantage in the Western Conference, and it very well could be depending on the pieces around them. Yeah, and I, I don't think – there's anything they could really offer uh, to get the number one pick. I just don't think Detroit would want to would want to pass on the opportunity to get Cade. But I I do agree though that you know with so many picks, Colby, like th- they're not drafting three rookies. They, they're they're going to run out of roster spots. I do think the time is now, picking sixth, to use a lot of these extra picks you have accumulated to move up because. It, the time's now. I mean, you got to start using some of these picks as, as capital to, to move up. And I think the better opportunity for them, I think, would be to move up to three, uh, trade a, trade whatever they could to Cleveland, who's tired of being in the lottery, whether that's a Kimball Walker deal tied to picks or, or whatnot, to just absorb Kevin Love's contract and give them a bunch of picks, I think would be something they'd be interested in as well. So I, I don't think the Thunder dream scenario, of the Thunder getting Cade is going to happen, but I do think it's time to start parlaying some of these picks to move up possibly into the top three. Cause you just look Colby at the players that have drafted at three, far more all-stars and hall of famers at three, like a striking difference between that and six. That's the level of player you're getting at three as opposed to six. So hopefully the Thunder can move up. I'd love to see Cade in a Thunder uniform, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and maybe I'm crazy, but the future picks don't excite me near as much as having Cade would excite me. I mean, make a crazy offer to Detroit. If they say no, add another first. If they say no, add another first. If they say no, add another first and three more seconds. I don't know. Make them an offer they can't refuse. Uh, All those future picks are great, but you know what future picks are? They're future picks. You don't know who those guys are going to be. You don't know how the ping pong balls are going to break. There's a lot of uncertainty with future picks. There's not a lot of uncertainty with Cade Shea and Dort. That's something you can build around. So uh, who knows? I We've got, what, 29th is the draft. So in the next three weeks, I guess we'll know. So stay tuned. Yep. Can't wait for that. And before we go, I want to give a shout out to the Tape Doesn't Lie podcast run by my college buddy, Adam Lunt. 
uh, him and Mitch Gift did a great job. They had a really a strong, strong listenership uh, through their podcast that they started just to, to chat about Oklahoma State football and, and break things down with a much more analytical view. And uh, they had a great run, but they're just they're too busy with their their day to day to keep to keep it going. But I wanted to give them a shout out. We've had Adam Lunt on the show before and uh, just wanted to give them a shout out because uh, it was a great run. They, they built a great following and um, I'm sad to see it go. But hopefully in the future, they'll they'll pick it back up. Yeah, no doubt. They were really good uh, dissecting things and breaking things down at a very deep X's and O's level. So uh, all good things must come to an end, as they say. So those guys did a good job for a long time and enjoyed listening to them. Yeah, hopefully we can get we can get Adam on the pod at some point this season when he's not too busy and doesn't have to watch film for three hours. He can just give us his hot takes about Spencer Sanders and Mike Gundy's play calls and Jim Knowles' scheme. So that'll be fun. We'll, we'll definitely get him on during the season. So... Colby, enjoy your weekend. We will get back with you next week. Absolutely. Go folks.